Sorry, that was just going to bother me. Need balance and order. Hallelujah. If I could say this as we're starting, um, this topic kind of makes people recoil. You talk about loss and to kind of hold back. I'm asking that you don't do that. This isn't meant to be a morbid night. Uh, it's actually, it's really encouraging. So anytime you talk about loss, somebody losing or what have you, it's, that, that can seem to be something that's really down. But this is not meant to be that. So let's get right in. We're going to talk about ministering to the grieving. But before we talk about what to do to minister, we're going to uh, define a couple of things. The first thing that we're going to define is loss. And I'm going to read something. We work to preserve and care for what we have. When it is removed, taken, or eliminated, emptiness remains. It is not only the fact of losing someone or something, but it is also losing all of the energy, care, love, and time invested. So the definition of loss, according to Webster, Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it's the act of losing possession, deprivation, a person or thing or an amount that is lost. Decrease in amount, magnitude, or degree. Loss is a disconnection from someone or something. Loss is losing something. And there are various types of loss. The, 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 the greatest extreme, if I could say, when in talking about this, that people associate with loss is death. The loss of a loved one, a friend, family member, what, what have you. That's what people most closely associate loss and grief with. But loss goes beyond that. I'll go so far as to say that there are many of you in here tonight that are dealing with loss. But it's not to the magnitude of losing a loved one. For instance, some lose a house, some lose employment, some lose income, some lose a dream, some lose a marriage, some lose a friend and not to death. Your friendship has been split. You've been parted from a good friend for a period of time. So, so loss and, and, and the grief process for loss is not just wrapped into a death. And I'll make this one very trivial. Several months ago, I lost a cell phone or my cell phone crashed and everything that I had on it. And I had nothing backed up. For me, that was a loss. Some lose health, good health. In Job chapter one, verse 21, it states the Lord gave the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gave, and we can live there, but it's that second part the Lord took away. Then Job said after that, blessed be the name of the Lord. And if I can say this, the Lord allows loss. The Lord permits loss to come. Many times the question is asked, why? And many times, almost 99.9% time, that question is not answered. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 6, it says, A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. The Lord has designed that we would lose. The thing and, and the, the challenging part with that is when that loss is not on my own terms. When that loss comes suddenly. When I can't predict the loss. Or furthermore, when I can't give up of my own free will. And it's taken away from me in just a moment. Now there are varying degrees that are involved with loss. These degrees are dependent on the connection or closeness someone has with something or someone else. As I said in that example that I gave, when I lost my cell phone, some of you might have thought, are you kidding me? You're going through and, 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 and upset because you lost the cell phone? One person can lose a $1 bill, and for them, that was their next meal. Another person can, can lose a $1 bill, and that's just an additional piece of abundance that they have. But those are two varying degrees of loss. Somebody could lose a car, and that car was the source of their travels to and from the place of employment. Another person could lose a car, and that was just their joyride on the weekends. Loss has varying degrees. Loss is also dependent on the personal value. A strong tire bond produces a great tear and separation. The closer you are to someone or something that you lose, the deeper the tear is. The further you are apart from it, you easily let it go. You're not losing anything. If I told you, Darius, that I had $500 for you, but somebody stole it and now I can't give it to you, you knew nothing about it. But if you had $500 in your possession and somebody came and took it, that's a little different. When you're closer to something or someone, that loss is going to be increased. That's why with, 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 with family members, if someone loses someone in a death and passing, there are some family members where you won't grieve as much over. There are others where it takes you to a depth you've never been before. Because of your closeness, because of your relationship, because of the value that was there. And that value, that, that, that impact is tremendous. Again, for, for one, as I talked about with that dollar bill, that, that dollar bill, it, it met a need for somebody else. For another person, they could take it or leave it. So you can't lump all loss in the same bucket. You can't put all loss in the same category. Loss does not impact everybody the same way. But if I can say this, all loss is valid. All loss is valid. If you lost $100 or a penny and you were grieving over one or the other, and yes, I'm just talking about money here. That's what people really value. And that, that's what you get right up next to outside of a, a family member. But if you lose a penny... Well, you kick around the rocks a little bit, you find another penny. But you, you, you lose your bill money. That'll change a whole lot for you. But all loss is valid. What may be trivial for one can be life-shattering for another person. What may seem as something that's just minute for one person to the next person, that will change their life forever. 
That is the impact of loss. And that's why we can't treat everybody the same way when they lose something or someone. And with that loss, there is... There's loss that cuts that, that, that cuts deep, and deep loss is remembered. Joseph suffered tremendous and continuous loss at a young age. His firstborn son, I've said this recently, his firstborn son was named Manasseh. And that means to forget his toil and all his father's house. When people go through loss, they're they're, they're looking to try to get away from that loss, to get away from the sting, to get away from the pain of it. And hopefully time moves on fast enough for some that they can forget what they've gone through, to forget what they've lost and to move on with life. Joseph, he named his firstborn Manasseh. However, when his brothers came to Egypt, he remembered. He remembered the past. He remembered what they put him through. He remembered the pain. He remembered the separation. He remembered the agony. He remembered the toil. I go so far as to say that he remembered from the moment that he got that coat all the way up to the prison. And we know that because when he spoke to his brothers, the Bible said he spoke roughly with them. He spoke harshly with them. He desired to prove them to see what kind of men they were. He wanted to test their character to find out what was going on in their hearts to see if anything had changed. Why? Because he remembered. See, it's not just about going through the loss and getting past it. But what happens when that loss resurfaces? What happens when that loss comes back up to the surface and you remember how do you handle If not properly dealt with, loss can harden your heart. If loss is not, if loss is put on the back burner, it will cause a hardened heart. Loss can be in the past. But its impact and its effect can still be felt. I don't care how far away you get from it. I don't care what kind of loss it is. There's some loss that you can get through in just a moment time. But deep loss can be felt for a long time. Even once you've moved on, even once you've gone on, you've gone on to something else. And God is good. But loss can still be felt. The impact and healing of loss may not solely, may not be dependent on an immediate reaction or response. In other words, you might go through a loss and you can get prayer and God can touch you, but that's not necessarily the end of the story. You see, the grieving process with loss, and if we will go to the far extreme and losing a loved one, the loss that, that's encountered is not wrapped up on the day of that funeral and that burial. That process really starts the moment that you walk away. 
because you're trying to figure out how do I live and how do I move on after this. Because up to that point, you've been surrounded by a host of help, friends and loved ones. But after that moment, how do I pick up when there's nobody else around? But there is a process for healing. There is a process that God has put in place for healing. When you talk about grief, again, as I said, grief is something that's looked at as a negative thing. But God designed grief. And I'm telling you this. Grief is a good thing. Grief is a good thing. You say, well, Brother Brown, why are you crying? Because <laughs> you don't know what I've gone through. And I'm not talking about the loss. I'm talking about the grief part. Because the process that God designed, that God put in place, God put that in place. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 4 says, a time to weep, but there's a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. In the dictionary, grief is defined as deep and poignant distress caused by or is as if by bereavement. Synonyms for grief or agony, distress, heartache, pain, suffering. It is the remembrance of what was lost and the expression of heartache. Grief is a process. Grief is a process. The severity of an injury dictates the length of a recovery process. The body was designed to heal itself. Whenever an injury occurs, blood rushes to that place of injury for healing. It is difficult, but not impossible, to reattach a member of the body that's become detached. A paper cut stings, but the recovery time is quick unless further agitated. But a puncture wound may require surgery depending on the location. See, these wounds, they impact it. Paper cut hurts bad. And something that seems so small can hurt a great deal. That's why you can't take and say, well, this person went through this injury and this person encountered just a paper cut and hey, this person is a whole lot worse shape. No, you can't. You don't know how that person is made up. You don't know the impact. So I can't judge based on the wound. The depth of the connection determines the length of a process. Some encounter the same type of loss as another, but their perceptions may be different. The deeper the attachment the greater the sorrow. And when I say that, not as sorrow, the pain's going to be great, but the grieving process has got to be great because that wound went so deep 
the grieving process must go deep. Because if the grieving process does not go as deep as the wound, that wound can become infected. Or if I could say this, if that entire wound is not cleaned out and just the surface, that wound can become infected in places that nobody will ever see, but you will see the symptoms of that infection. By that time, it might be too late. So the grieving process must go as deep as the wound. The greater the value, the heavier the grief. Loss is not always healed in a single moment. I wish. I wish loss, you could come to the altar, get touched and be over and move going about your business. Loss is not just about putting a Band-Aid on it and moving on. I, I wish it was. But the healing takes longer than that. It can't be rushed. Those hurting want to get back to a state of normal faster than any of us could ever know. Trying to find a way to get back up. I've never gone through any. I played sports all through high school and after, and I've never, the worst that I got was a sprained ankle. I was out for a few days, and even after that, I, that it was three days, four days later, and I wanted to play in the game, and we simply taped my ankle up, and I got back in the game. But there are some injuries. You can't just wrap up and get back up in the game. And with loss, sometimes you can't just get up and keep moving because if you do that, you're going to further injure deeper than what it should be. So some loss will sideline that person. And that's why I say you, we can't judge somebody on their loss because with one person who goes through a loss, it might be something quick and they can bounce back up, but that other person, God might have intended for that person to be sidelined for a season. So I can't buck against the doctor's orders. That person who's gone through the loss is trying to discover how to live without that someone or something. The process of grief is unpredictable. Crash is like a wave that you did not see coming. Everything is going well, and all of a sudden, it's just a memory. Just a trigger. It could be a sound. It could be something you saw, something you heard. But all of a sudden, you thought that you had moved on, and all of a sudden, something comes back to mind. And you're saying, I thought I was past that. I thought I was past that. But if I can maintain an openness... Sometimes that's the Lord coming to saying, there's something in there I need to clean out. You don't know what's going on inside your heart, and you, you, you wouldn't understand, but I've got to get in there one more time and clean it out. Again, grief is a sign that there is a continuous healing. And as long as that healing is continuous, there is life that's flowing. There's strength that's there. I saw this the other day in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. It says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So what happens if you don't mourn? Can I tell you, you run the risk of not being comforted. And you know what that word comfort means? Come here. 
That word comfort means, let's say that he's gone through a loss. One of the definitions means that the Lord comes up right beside you. Blessed are they that mourn. Because the Lord's going to come and walk right with them. He's going to walk right next to them. You won't walk by yourself. You won't go through it by yourself. You go through the grieving process. Sorrow is not the final stage of grief. Sorrow is not. But there is a blessing and a happiness. There is a joy that comes on the other side if you go through the grief. And again, if I can remind you, grief does not only occur when you've lost a loved one. There are some situations where if you lose something or go through something, you take that, whatever you lost, you cast that on the Lord. And you give it to him and you can continue to walk forward. But there are some areas where you give it to the Lord, but you've also got to present yourself. Because he's got to provide some healing deep down on the inside. How do I know the difference? You'll know the difference when that memory returns. When that memory comes back, if sorrow comes with it, that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. And that doesn't mean you're just having a pity party. You say, Lord, here I am and God, whatever you want to do. And if there's a brokenness and, and emotion and tears and all that come with it, that's all right. You can, you, you can easily tell. Matthew 5, 4, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Because on the other side of that comfort, there is going to be joy. And if you find that there is no joy, then you can question, am I just having me a little pity party? The Bible says to seek peace and pursue it. And if I'm seeking after God and he leads me to a place of grief, he's also going to lead me to a place of peace on the other side. But to get back up requires... More than just a personal connection with God. To get back up requires more than just coming to church. To be healed requires more. You must be connected with the body of Christ. And there is a blessing in being connected in the body. I'm sorry, sister. I was trying to hold off on that. I didn't realize, but that's all right. I will tell you this with the handout that you have for this session. It does not have all the detail that I have. Um, the Lord and I have been, or the Lord's been working, and I've been trying to cooperate. So if you would like more, I can provide that. As I said, the, the body was created with properties to heal itself. And God planned for healing to take place through his body. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I know this is very familiar, but before you even went through any type of loss, encountered any pain, he was already acquainted with it. He already knew it. And I'll tell you this before. I've read the scripture before. And I asked the question, God, who cares that you were, were acquainted with grief? 
I don't want to go through this. But I got an understanding that he was saying that he was acquainted with what I'm going through. Or in other words, he already walked the road that I walked. He already knew what I felt. He already knew the low place that I would go through. And he's saying, since I've already walked this road, I want you to come and walk with me. Because I know the way and I know how to get through this. We hid as it, as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. When he was whipped, he was taking my pain into his own body. When he went through that brokenness, he was taking on my own pain. And that's how he could become our high priest that could be touched by our infirmities and by what we go through. Because he went through it already. Psalm 34, 18 tells us that the Lord is near to those that have a broken heart. The Bible also says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of his body is in the blood. All of us in here are qualified to minister to the grieving. How can I be qualified if I haven't gone through? That's the awesome thing about being connected with his body. I don't have to have gone through what somebody else has gone through to be able to minister. What happens is sometimes we shy away from because we don't know what to say. We don't know how to respond. We don't know what to think. We don't know how to approach. But if we're connected with the body, and if he went through all of that, and if we're a part of him, all of us can minister to the grieving. If we could not, then that would mean that I could not minister to the drug addict. I couldn't minister to the alcoholic. I couldn't minister to somebody else that, that has lived their life in the world and has, is, is looking to turn around and come to Jesus Christ. Because I haven't gone through that. But I minister because of him. And he works through me. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. Who comforteth, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. He comforts me when I go through a test. He comforts me when I go through a trial. Why? So that when somebody else is going through anything else, I can comfort them. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. If I could say this, it's not about me taking my personal experience of what I've gone through and using that to say, well, you're going through this and let me tell you what I've gone through and let's try to make ends meet. It's not about that. It's, hey, I've encountered the God of peace. I've encountered a God of love. Let me bring that to you. 
Let me minister with that to you and, and, and what I've experienced. That's the beauty of being connected with the body. Again, that word comfort means to call to one side. It means to console, to encourage, and strengthen by consolation, to comfort. And because we have been comforted, we are able to comfort and strengthen. Similar experiences do not qualify us to minister to other individuals and to comfort them. Just because somebody has gone through the same loss that I have gone through, that does not qualify, nor does it disqualify me. What qualifies me is my connection in the body because it's the blood that's going to move and provide healing. It's not me and it's not my experience. There might be things from my experience that I might be able to relate to, but it's not my experience and what I've gone through that's going to heal. Because in some cases, you go share your experience with somebody, the response is, I don't care what you've gone through. I'm in the middle of this right now. To be honest with you, I had somebody tell me, you know, it's going to be hard this time of year and you're going to go through this. I don't care. Don't tell me that. Keep your experience to yourself. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know how much worse you had it. I went through this and I was I was low. I was down. If you ever feel to communicate that, run that by the pastor. Let me see what they say or turn the tables and see what that would sound to you. Connection with God positions individuals to minister. Not a common experience. Since Jesus is the head of the body, he signals when healing is needed. You see, somebody may be hurting and they may be looking good on the outside. But he knows where they are. And sometimes that's why we can pick up on where somebody is. They may have a smile on their face, but you can sense something's not right. That's not me and just my own intuition. That's God working. God saying they need to touch. But God, it looks like things are going well on the outside. And he's saying, just go over and minister to them. We are spirit filled. We contain what's needed for inner healing. When God gets close to the broken, he uses us to minister. When God comes and walks up beside somebody through what they're going through, He uses us to come in contact with them. Sometimes it's a phone call. Sometimes it's a car. Sometimes it's a handshake. It's a hug. But God uses and will always use us. Connection with the body. I found probably one of the greatest areas when I went through loss. I showed up to church one night, and this brother came up to me. Thank you. Appreciate it. This brother came up to me, and he said, how you doing? And I could not form the words. I just looked at him in the eye. And he looked at me, and he knew. And he just reached out and embraced me. And he doesn't know the impact that that had. To this day, he doesn't know. But I tell you, I sat this week and I thought back on that. Even this morning, I thought back on that. I thought, he has no idea. He didn't have the words. He didn't. 
He didn't know what to do. He had never gone through this type of loss. But we were part of the body. And just a simple embrace was all that was needed. Some of the struggles that people encounter is when I pray for somebody, what should I pray? There's nothing wrong with praying in tongues. Can I tell you that? There's nothing wrong. But if I could pinpoint a couple things, I don't know if this, actually I don't think this is in your handout. I'm sorry, was that getting on your nerves? Can you mute me? Don't come shake my hand afterwards, please. You'll be offended because I'm not shaking yours. But when you pray for somebody, a couple of things just to point out, and this isn't an exhaustive list, but pray for rest and refreshing. Lose strength and peace. Loose the Lord's comfort and his love to surround them. Pray for God's grace that that individual can go through the grieving process. Those are some specific things to pray for. And and I'm saying to try to pray in English as best you can. And and if you don't know what to say, that's fine. But the reason why I say that, and I'm speaking from experience. I listen. I listened to what people were praying. And there were times where they were praying, and, and I, when they prayed for peace, I held on to that. When they prayed for strength, I held on to that. When they prayed for God's love and, and, and all those things, I held on to those things. Because at times when I went back through some of those things, I can remember those prayers and I'm looking, God, I'm looking for that peace. I'm looking for that strength. I'm looking for that help. And so that's why I say that. If it doesn't come out pretty, that's fine. But if you can, pray in English. Along with prayer, when you participate with someone who's gone through any type of loss, whatever it is. When you communicate with somebody dealing with loss, do not compare experiences. I said that already. Don't compare experiences. Don't don't avoid the hurting. Jesus was acquainted with grief. And Jesus wept. Jesus went to the tomb. He went to the place where people were hurting. He wasn't driven away. And, and, and yes, I, I know he knew what was going on and what would happen with, 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 with Lazarus. But Jesus is, Jesus is touched. And if he draws close to those that have a broken heart, although it might be uncomfortable, I should also get close to those. Don't. Force humor or pressure yourself for words to speak. Well, I don't know what to say. Like I said, that brother, he didn't, he didn't have the words. Hey, he didn't know, he didn't know how I was feeling. My parents, they, there were days, a couple of days I called them and I said, I'm struggling. My dad was quick. He said, I'm on my way. Got in the car and just made his way up there and we would just sit sometimes. Sometimes you don't know what to say and, and, and out of discomfort to break the silence. Let me let me say something here. I don't want to be like Job's friends just sitting there in darkness for several days. Somebody's got to say something. 
Sometimes that, that, that silence is going to drive you crazy. But don't force it. Just be there. Sometimes being there is the biggest thing that can happen. Don't attempt to rush the process. Don't attempt to try to get that person to get up. Come on. It's time to get up and get moving. You've gone through this long enough. You don't know how long they're supposed to be sidelined for. If you watch sports, when somebody falls down and gets hurt, you know what the trainer does? The trainer goes and gets down where they are. Goes and diagnoses them where they are. And at times they're able to get up and walk out under their own power. Sometimes they help them up. Sometimes they got to call in people to get them from one position to another. But don't force the process. Get down where they are. Why? Because the Bible says to weep with them that weep. When there are no words, sometimes a card is sufficient. Sometimes a handshake or an embrace is just sufficient. And as you encounter somebody, live what the Bible says. What I mean by that is don't try to use the word of God or good phrases as an escape to break silence. Well, you know, brother, all things work together for good. Son, you know, weeping endures for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. You just hang on in there. And that's funny. Sorry, but it's true. I've heard it. The Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. And at times, if you don't know what to say, sometimes just simply I'm praying for you. And if that's not good enough, sometimes it's because you're not praying, but you're just saying something to break the silence. But if you're sincere, I'm praying for you is good enough. Sometimes, hey, it's good to see you. It's good enough. I love you. It's good enough. God bless you. It's good enough. Be careful. Pastor talked about it at the beginning. Be careful with what you say. Standard greeting when you walk with somebody and say, hey man, how you doing? That simple question right there, you could, you could set somebody's world on fire with that who's going through loss. Because you ask the question, how are you doing? It may seem to be a greeting. But it's those words that you're saying, how and that, and, and you begin to reflect, how am I doing? You begin to look at it, and, and you're not really asking how you're doing, that's just the standard greeting. So be careful with that type of approach. Be careful how you come across. And it, it seems so innocent, I, I know, it, it does, it, it seems innocent, but it, it goes a long way. 
In Proverbs, it says a merry or a joyful heart is like medicine. Joy comes in connection with the body. Love is, is experienced in the body. Those who are hurting need a proper connection, but they don't always reach out. I'll just speak from experience. Those of us who at times hurt, you're not telling are you kidding me? No. Sharpen up, shape it up, walk like you got it all together so nobody knows. Because you don't want somebody to touch something. You don't want somebody to bump something. So you don't always reach out because of what you're going through. You're, you're trying to get back to that normal place of life. I'm just trying to move on with life. Just trying to get on. So if that person doesn't reach out, reaching out to them is quite all right. Going to that person is quite all right. As I said, weeping endures for a season. But there is joy that comes on the other side of the grief. It's all part of the grieving process. Again, in Romans 12, it says, weep with those that weep. And I can tell you this, if you weep with somebody that's weeping, you will one day dance with that person on the other side. So you might have to go down to where somebody is in the process of loss. But if you're willing to go down there, you'll also find them somewhere one day dancing. That dance may not take place in the manner that we might want to see it here on this earth. But one day, they're going to dance. So can I tell you, don't be afraid of the grieving process. If you go through loss, I hate to say it, but embrace it. It's part of the process to grieve. It's part of the process to mourn. Because I want to be whole. Anybody that is broken does want to be whole and that's just a part of the process. But the beauty of it is no, nobody has to walk by themselves. Jesus is waiting on the path to walk with anybody that's grieving. And there's nobody in here that's been disqualified from helping somebody to get back up and to be healed. Would you stand? I am going to ask, this won't be long, I promise, but to even do a a personal inspection on where you are. Because sometimes in order to help somebody, we got to, the scripture says that I can comfort somebody with the same comfort that I've been comforted with. But if I don't allow the Lord to comfort me, it's kind of hard to comfort somebody else. Because the Lord is going to work through my brokenness sometimes. So would you just, would you close your eyes and just kind of take a self-inspection? Are there areas of loss that you've encountered, that you've kind of buried away, that you have not allowed the Lord to access, to go through the grieving process? And would you 
Begin just, just to simply identify them. We're, we're not going to go along here. But would you make up your mind, I'm going to allow the Lord to heal me. I'm going to allow the Lord to make me whole so that I can minister to those who have lost. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, we present ourselves to you. Present ourselves wholeheartedly to you. This isn't lost. God is not easy. But you have allowed it. You allow it to come. You permit it to come for whatever reason. Many times, Lord, you choose to work through the loss that I encounter. You, 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 you choose to work through the grief that I've gone through to minister to somebody else. Father, I pray that with the same comfort that you comforted us, that we would do the same, that we would approach and walk alongside others. Lord, even those who don't know you, those who have never experienced your presence, those who don't know your peace and don't know your joy, the only thing that they know is brokenness. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us to them. Lead us to those that are grieving right now. Lead us to those that are hurting. Lead us, God, to approach them with boldness and confidence, not in ourselves, but in you, with confidence in your blood. Confidence that if we can connect them with you and connect them with your body, true healing can take place. Healing can take place to the core. Healing can take place in areas that they've never known, in areas that they've never experienced. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, work through us. Work through your body. Lord, that we may reach all, that we may touch all. That you can work through us, that you can minister through us, God. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Satie aranda ki aranda la roki aranda. Maranda la rakaye aranda la rokorie aranda. In the name of Jesus. God, I open myself up to you. I open up my heart. I open up my spirit. Every area, God. Shine, God, in every area, Lord, that's been darkened. Every area that's been covered. In the name of Jesus. Lord, let your blood purge and cleanse. In the name of Jesus Christ. And God, let us find comfort and peace and strength in the process, in the grief. So, Lord, that we can go on to perfection, that we can be complete in joy, in you and in your love. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. If I can say one more thing, don't discount. Please, please don't discount the connection of the body. And I'm speaking that from experience. Because if it was not for the body, if it was not for the body, I can't tell you what condition I would be in, and I'm not trying to be dramatic or anything, but I cannot tell you. But I'm thankful for the body. Could we give the Lord thanks and praise right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.